I always tell people, you know, you don't have to wait on, you know, me or my program to, you know, to expand. Go do something on your own. You could go do a workshop. If you know how to fix cars, go put print you some flyers like I did when I first started out and go pass them out at some football practices, go to some churches, email them, you know, put them at, at restaurants and start like that. That's how I started. I made some flyers on my phone. I went and printed them out at the library and I went and passed them out at basketball practices and I went and stapled them at restaurants and called churches and all that to try to get children to come out uh, to the different workshops. That's what I did, you know, to begin. Um, so I, I just feel like if you do something, I, I call it the do something plan. If you do something, I believe the communities could change. Um, if all of us decide to do one thing positive every day, you know, I believe our communities will be in a better place. Yeah, absolutely. What do you say? I mean, what do you mean when you say we need to hold our leaders accountable? Absolutely. Um, of course, you know, uh, we don't hold our leaders accountable to the point of, you know, we will vote for them, especially in my community. Like we'll vote for somebody because, you know, or they're blue or, you know, like that. But I'm just like, did you even pay attention to the things that they said or any of their policies or anything that they've done, you know, or are they doing anything, you know, but we give them excuses because, oh, they're Democrats, you know, in my community. And I just, and I'm just like, why do you guys do that? Like, we can't give them any excuses. You know, we can't just not listen to the other side just because of what we've been told, you know? Um, so we have to listen to the other side as well, but we don't hold our legal accountable. We'll put them back. We had commissioners here, been in the commission seats since before I was born, you know, and our communities are still trash, you know? So I'm just like, why aren't we holding them accountable? This makes sense. Why are we not voting for anybody else? Or why isn't anybody else running? Like it's absolutely absurd, you know, seeing some of the conditions of our community and how we're not holding our leaders accountable. We have to, you know, call them out we have to vote them out. And if we do vote for them, we have to make sure we're holding them accountable. This is episode number 229 with King Randall. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, we've been a little quiet the last two weeks, took a little bit of hiatus. We've been working on our event that we're bringing to Dallas, Texas, January 7th and 8th at the beginning of the year. Been tweaking our community, working on our apparel line. Plus, we have a whole other business that we run in the real estate investing space. Uh, so it was just a good time to take a little bit of breather, uh, get some new guests booked, booked for you guys for upcoming podcasts. And that's what we've been working on uh, the last two weeks. But we are back and we have an incredible guest for you today. His name is King Randall. You uh, probably saw him on social media. He had a couple of uh, interview videos that went viral. He's been featured on Fox News, CNN, and a ton of other outlets. And what makes him so incredibly uh, unique and impressive is that he is a 21-year-old community shifter. He's making real change in his community, real impact with our younger generation. And plus, he is a uh, Marine veteran as well and the founder of the X for Boys school organi and organization in Albany, Georgia. So we're going to dive right into it today. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with King Randall. You're listening to the American Snippets podcast. Hey there, welcome back to American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Very blessed to be sitting down today with our amazing guest who has done more to impact his community and his country, no lie, than most career politicians 
or most people themselves will ever, ever do. For the past two years, he has been mentoring and even fostering at-risk boys in his own community. He opened up his home and his heart all to provide for, care for, support, mentor, lead, nurture, and step in and be that person that he saw these boys needing in their lives. And this is his solution to a problem that he saw and wanted to do more than just talk about. He's so passionate and impactful. This guy has even managed to do what I think a lot of us would think is impossible in that he has managed to win the hearts and support of Americans across the board. Americans who can agree on virtually nothing agree on the fact that today's guest is an amazing human being who, in spite of just being just that, a human being just like the rest of us, has risen above the infallibilities of being a human to do extraordinary things in his own life. So you might have seen him on CNN or Fox or other platforms, but today you get to meet him right here on American Snippets. Say hello to King Randall. King, thank you so very much for all you do and for making today American Snippets part of what you do. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity for being here. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so great. Um, I'm going to turn the volume off of my phone. We just got to keep it real. Oh, I got my timer gone. Dave just no shot worries. me. <laughs> look. See, we're all human. We all got mistakes. We got to rise above it. Right. So look, let's get right to it. So we get everything in that we can get in in our in our time slots. I see in part of your profile, I see you often mentions that you're also a Marine Corps veteran. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. OK, so you're 21 years old, right? Yes. You're 21 years old. You're a Marine Corps veteran. You have taken in children in your community and mentored them, fostered them. You just bought 40 acres to do extraordinary things with these. You're trying to get them to school and you're you're 21. Dude, (laughs) at what point did the Marine Corps come into your life? Uh, immediately at the high school. I graduated when I was 17 years old. So they came in immediately at the high school. I turned 22 this July. So it, it'll okay. be about five years ago now. Yeah. So, um, but I turned 22 uh, this July. So um, that was a very uh, big part of my life. I didn't enjoy all of it, but it also made for great memories and good teaching opportunities for me too. So a lot of the ways that I disciplined the children in my program, et cetera, all come from things that I learned and habits that I developed uh, while I was in the Marine Corps. Yeah, no doubt. What led you to that decision to join the Marines? Uh, Well, my best friends were going. Uh, I had about four best friends at the time. They all signed up. I was just like, you know what? I'll go too. (laughs) So we all just went. I mean, I didn't, and I didn't, you know, just, uh, I didn't have nothing else to do. I was working at Chick-fil-A and I was just like, well, ain't nothing else to do. So might as well go. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's a look. Yeah, I got nothing else to do. Maybe I'll go down to the river and have some beers is more usually what you hear. Not like, I got nothing else to do. Let me join the Marines. But good on you. Yeah. Um, good on you. How long did you stay in the Marine Corps? I served for four years. Wow. 20, almost 22 years old. You got four years in the Marine Corps service. You are now a father of two, which congratulations is super awesome. And Thank you. you're a father figure to so many more. So, I mean, I feel like already I could keep you on for hours, but clearly we can't. So let's yep. get into the, <laughs> let's get into the important work that you are doing today. Talk about your organization and all that you're doing. Absolutely. Well, my name is King Randall. I'm the founder of the Extra Boys program in Albany, Georgia. Uh, we help uh, young men learn the different skill trades, such as working on cars, working on houses, such as water pumps, radiators, 
uh, brakes, oil changes. We also do uh, sheet rocking and flooring and uh, changing light fixtures, roofing, et cetera, fences, you name it. Uh, we've done many different things trying to get the boys into learning different skill trades. Um, we've also done many different field trips for our young men where I live. Um, where we live, uh, poverty is extremely high. So a lot of our children, and we also have adults who've never been outside of our, our city limits. Uh, so we try to take them on different field trips, you know, going out of state. We fly them across the country. Um, we do big road trips, you know, to different places uh, because we try to get them these experiences. Um, but now we're in the process of uh, opening our own boarding school uh, here in Albany, Georgia, uh, you know, just for children who don't have any place to sleep. We don't have any other rehabilitative programs for young men coming from the juvenile justice system where we live. Uh, the Exford Boys being the only program in Southwest Georgia um, having a rehabilitative program from juvenile offenders. Um, so we have a lot of children right now in waiting uh, for our school to open. I do have custody of two children um, from the program that live at my home um, from the juvenile justice system. Uh, we have a 0% recidivism rate. Uh, every child that's come to our program from jail has never been back. Uh, so these are things I like to tout uh, because the program's working. Uh, we have an 86% reading comprehension rate coming from children that didn't know how to read at all. Uh, so this is, you know, we're making uh, good progress. We have uh, many different things that we've been doing, uh, many different many different things that we have to do in the future. Um, but that's kind of an idea of, you know, who we are and what the Extra Boys is all about. Yeah, seriously. So I've seen in some of the stuff that you put out that um, one of, there can be some misconceptions about what you do or the results you're going to get and the time that it's going to take to get these results. So let's get ahead of that, too, for people who may already be thinking, yeah, but that's, you know, or think it's impossible. Like, as if you're promoting a, like you're flipping a switch and all of a sudden everything is magically better. Talk about the real process uh, that it takes. Absolutely. I might have to explain to people, you know, who kind of think that the children are going to come in the program and they're going to change, you know, overnight or change in a week, or if they bring them to two book clubs, you know, or one workshop, they're going to change their life. I'm like, that's not how this works. It took them 14 or 15 years to get this way, you know? So I'm just like, maybe you have to understand it's going to take some time and consistency and bringing them constantly and, you know, sometimes I do with parents saying, well, he doesn't want to come, you know, to this event or whatever like that. I'm just like, sometimes you have to not give them a choice. Stop trying to be their friend and understand, you know, what's good for them, you know, because then finally after, you know, something happens or something hits the fan, you want to call and say, oh, Mr. King, he's doing this and that. I'm like, well, mom, you, you haven't brought him in five months, you know, to any of the different programs. Now you want to call me when he's starting to play with guns or his grades are all Fs and all that. I'm like, you can't do that. You have to bring them consistently, no matter if they want to come or not. You know, this is something they have to, you know, get in their system, you know, so the changes that some of my boys have made, it's come over a year and a half, two years, you know, and they're still changing as the days go by. Some may change in a few months. Some may change in two years. Some are I'm still working on been working on them for three years and I'm still trying to get them there. You know, so it takes time. It takes consistency, but it takes love as well. And you have to be able to be as a person consistent with wanting to help the children. So patience is a virtue uh, in working with these children. Has it ever come to a point, do you get to a point where all the kids that come to your program or come into contact with you, is there a point where you have to step back and know that you've done all you can do and, and, and step away or they step away or, you know, what is that like for you if that does happen? If you've poured everything that you have into helping this child, but for whatever reason, they step away from the program or they, or the parents pull them away or something I feel like I feel like I could help every child that comes into uh, contact with me. Um, so if there's something that I feel like if, if the child is just not changing, I am trying to figure out what am I missing or what am I not giving to, you know, this child to help him change. So I'm looking at myself and trying to figure out what can I do, come up with new ideas, et cetera, all the time. Because I'm just like, 
something is going to change him. He's not not changeable. You know, some we're, we're going to figure it out because he's just a child. You know, so I'm like, we could figure something out. Their brains are still sponges, you know, and the uh, the decision making part of your brain is not developed until you turn 25. You know, so I'm just like, there's something I could do to help this child. So let me figure out what I could do to, to help um, and what I could do to, you know, fix this process. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't feel like there's any child I can't help. I just try to figure out in what ways can I do that um, and whatever child it may be. Awesome. So how then how do you do that? Because, you know, you come, everything I've seen of you and even like I was just talking to you before we started recording, you have this amazing energy that just comes right through. And the work you're doing and the results are just extraordinary. And you are just getting started. But you are also a human being, you know, you're a human being and you're still, you know, young compared to a lot of people. So you have to have days where you struggle a little bit or just literally the fact that you are not a machine, you are not a superhero. Like what are some things that you do when you hit a point where you're just like tired and, and needing a break so you can recharge and, and come back? I go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I go take a good nap. Uh, I may go take a, you know, I may take a drive somewhere. Uh, sometimes I have to drive around um, my city. Uh, like sometimes when I'm just, you know, not in a good mood or, you know, feeling down, I just drive. I go drive in circles around my city, listen to music, come up with new ideas. Um, I do that. Um, but I don't usually get out of energy because I have the children with me every day. So, you know, I'm there, my energy sometimes. Plus I'm 21. You know, I feel like if I can work now, you know, and play later, I think that's a big thing because we have this misconception that we need to be playing now and working later. Like everybody, oh, enjoy your 20s. Enjoy. I want to work now. So when I do turn 35 and my back starts hurting, I don't have to do as much, <laughs> you know, but people want to start working when you get old and your back's hurting and you got a slip disc and your knees hurting. And I'm like, that's not when you want to work. You want to relax at that time, you know, so I'm trying to work now. I'm trying to do as much as I can now. I bought a house, you know, I have my own vehicle, you know, it's just, I do things now. So later on when I, when I can retire early and, you know, relax and I built, you know, stuff for my grandkids and things like that. I tell my boys all the time to work for your grandchildren. That's something I stress to them all the time. Work for your grandchildren um, because you want to set them up for a better life than you had. Um, and, and that's how, that's how I think everybody should think. But yeah, I take breaks, you know, um, you know, I'll travel somewhere or I'll drive around my city, take a nap um, and, or just go talk to the boys, you know, and, and get more energy. Uh, but yeah, I don't really have like so many days when I'm out of it because I'm still young and my energy's exploding right now. So I'm, yeah, I, I use that to my advantage and, and, and work. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Is there a program that you know of that is comparable for girls in your area or in the country? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know about in the country. I don't know every program that's out yeah, there. I'm yeah, sure that you there know are. of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I said, now, I know there was this one program where I lived where they taught girls, um, you know, etiquette and, you know, uh, you know, what type of conversations you have at the table, how to sit. You know, oh, that's that not that, comfortable. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, well, to me, that is because those are things yeah. grandma taught, you know, like your All sisters right. or whatever. Like, I believe what grandma taught is just as important as what granddad taught. Gra grandma teaching you know, the young lady, how to skin the fish and, and cook it at home after granddad went and fished for it. Right. You know, those are things I believe are just as important. And I right. think the woman's job, even though people try to make it seem so simple, it's the hardest job because she's constantly, she got to, to mother the children. She got to cook. She got to be emotional support. You know, this, that, this, that is all these jobs, you know, that she has to do. I think that job is harder than ours, you know, because we can go out and, you know, go fish and, you know, go hunt for food and, but it's a whole nother job. We got to help the kids with homework. You got to make sure the bills are paid. And, you know, this like just all of that stuff, you know? So I think 
small things like that, you know, are important um, that, you know, younger girls, you know, learn from their grandmothers um, growing up. And so the things that I learned from my granddad, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, um, just because I'm not teaching a girl how to, you know, fix a car. I, I don't do that because I don't believe girls should be fixing cars. I believe we should have men in those areas. Oh, so you have old fashioned. You have old fashioned. You're an old soul. You go with. Yeah, I had granddads and stuff. Okay. Granddads and uncles all right. and all that. Yeah. So we was cowboys and stuff like my granddad. Like I know people saw our 40 acres of land video and I have a cowboy hat on. And so they was like, what you wearing a cowboy? I was like, that's how I grew up, man. I got the boots, the hats. My granddads are straight cowboys, you know, but we grew up learning how to, you know, fish and skin animals and all that stuff. So that's what we did, you know, but okay. I think those things are just as important as grandma, you know, teaching a, her, her granddaughter how to sit or what conversation she has, you know, at the table or, you know, those things are extremely important. Uh, just family in general, that village is important. So you're, yeah, you have a very traditional, stereotypical mindset of girls do this. Yeah, very traditional. <laughs> okay. All right. That's yep. interesting coming, given the age bracket. Um, Okay, so I wanted to move into here. Let's let I I would like to do a for example with you, so I get a better feel for it, and our audience gets a better feel for it too. You know, okay. I was thirty. I was thirty two years old. My husband was killed in Iraq. I had four little boys. They were six, five, three, and one. And I know mm -hmm. exactly what it's like when you talk about the men needing the male role models. And I remember feeling like I I wasn't enough. Like they definitely needed. Like I couldn't do this. They deserve more. So I had all these feelings, which that's a whole other topic. But if I had called you at that time said, King, this is my story. I live in your, I live in your area. I got these four little boys and I know that they were very, very young, probably younger than you work with. But if we need mm -hmm. to bump up, <laughs> bump up their ages for this example, then let's bump them up, you know, but what is the process for somebody, for a, a mom who calls you and says, King, this is my story. You know, my husband is dead or he's in jail or whatever, like, but I'm on my own with these kids. And, and I need your help. Like, what is the onboarding? What are the requirements? What do you expect of the mom? Is there an income threshold? Like all those things. So the program is free. Um, I, I try to make sure everything that we do is free for the children. So um, the for, for a situation like that, uh, usually I like to do temporary boarding um, with me um, because those things are extremely important. Um, now I haven't been doing temporary boarding right now because we're trying to get the school and stuff situated. And I have a lot of things, you know, going, coming together for the summer program and things like that. But, uh, for that time, I don't really have any requirements as long as the children, you know, coming from jail, haven't like murdered anybody or something like that. I don't care for their, any requirements because I believe I've had children with autism and uh, different mental disorders, and I've been able to work with all of them. Again, I don't think there's a child that I can't fix or work with. Um, so that, that's just what I do. Um, but yeah, I, I would say something probably in regards to temporary boarding, um, you know, to keep them for a while or as how consistent could they be in coming to the different workshops, coming to our different book clubs, et cetera. Do you need, a, do they need a ride? You know, just what can I do to help, you know, them be, become a part of the program, you know, a, a lot more um, because it takes time, you know, it's going to take a, a minute um, and then trying to, you know, emotionally move them, you know, to a place where they're okay with, you know, their father being gone or whatever, like they have to move to that area. You know, I've dealt with children who lost their parents and things like that, but we have to keep, life has to go on. You know, um, of course there's a time for grieving and, you know, of course you're still going to grieve sometime here and there, but we have to understand, well, your dad would have wanted you to keep moving, you know, and, you know, not, you know, wallow in defeat, you know, we have to, you know, move forward. But I would, you know, there's no 
like um there's no requirements they do have like process you know filling out paperwork allergies you know giving me permission to take pictures you know just a little small stuff like that but other than that um no there are like no requirements i take every child that i come into contact with white black hispanic whatever um so i I take every child um and i just try to tailor you know the program to what their needs are when i'm working with them directly pam you have the there's no hole. There's no crack. Like you just do everything. You do it all. That's, that's amazing. Can you see, are you thinking of far ahead down the road? Like, is this something that you would like to have chapters of across the country? Um, or are you just like, I'm in Georgia. This is where I am. Is that, you know, I'm putting air quotes good enough for you. Cause I mean, that's still huge, but you know what I'm saying? Like, do you have, are you looking to spread this across the country? Or are you just like, this is my area. This is where I am. And this, this is where I'm staying. Of course, eventually I wish to expand. I, I wish to, you know, spread out eventually. However, I want to make sure we're solely focused on where I live right now. Um, I want to make sure we're grounded here. We're working here and the children are changing here. Um, that's something I believe is extremely important um, because we do have many, you know, celebrities that have come from where I live and they never return because of, you know, the, the, the living conditions. But I'm just like, why would I leave the, the community in the same condition that I found it? Um, so I'm I'm big on trying to make sure I'm training these replacements and making sure we don't go through this same cycle, you know, again, you know, with the poverty and, and having no money and the broke beat down buildings and, you know, all of that stuff. That stuff is extremely important, in my opinion. Um, so I definitely want to make sure we're grounded here first. We're working here first, expand around our local area in Georgia first, and then, of course, eventually spread across the country. So it'll be a little process. But um, I always tell people, you know, you don't have to wait on, you know, me or my program to, you know, expand go do something on your own you could go do a workshop if you know how to fix cars go put print you some flyers like i did when i first started out and go pass them out at some football practices go to some churches email them you know put them at, at restaurants and start like that that's how i started i made some flyers on my phone i went and printed them out at the library and i went and passed them out at basketball practices and i went and stapled them at restaurants and called churches and all that to try to get children to come out uh, to the different workshops that's what i did you know to begin um, so I, I just feel like if you do something, I, I call it the do something plan. If you do something, I believe the communities could change. Um, if all of us decide to do one thing positive every day, you know, I believe our communities will be in a better place. Yeah, absolutely. What do you say? I mean, what do you mean when you say we need to hold our leaders accountable? Absolutely. Um, of course, you know, uh, we don't hold our leaders accountable to the point of, you know, we will vote for them especially in my community, like we'll vote for somebody because, you know, or they're blue or, you know, like that. But I'm just like, did you even pay attention to the things that they said or any of their policies or anything that they've done, you know, or are they doing anything, you know, but we give them excuses because, oh, they're Democrats, you know, in my community. And I just, and I'm just like, why do you guys do that? Like, we can't give them any excuses. You know, we can't just not listen to the other side just because of what we've been told, you know? Um, So we have to listen to the other side as well, but we don't hold our leaders accountable. We'll put them back. We had commissioners here, been in the commission seats since before I was born, you know, and our communities are still trash, you know? So I'm just like, why aren't we holding them accountable? This makes no sense. Why are we not voting for anybody else? Or why isn't anybody else running? Like, it's absolutely absurd, you know, seeing some of the conditions of our community and how we're not holding our leaders accountable. We have to, you know, call them out. We have to vote them out. And if we do vote for them, we have to make sure we're holding them accountable. Nice. What do you see as being some of America? What we do here is Amer- at American Snippets, you know, we focus a lot on America's core values. That's why we're here. That's why we bring people like you on who exemplify what we have identified as America's core values. But what is what do you feel like America's core values are and what should they be? Uh, I go back to my Marine Corps core values, honor, courage and commitment. 
Um, that's just something uh, I believe anybody can live their lives by. Uh, any man, unencouraged and commitment. So I think uh, all those look like to me, you know, um, helping your community, protecting your women and children, um, making sure everybody has a, you know, a way out and helping everyone. I believe, you know, if everybody could be a family, because I don't see why some people, how can somebody next door to you be hungry and you know about it and they don't have food, you know, and I got food, you know, I say, if I'm hungry, everybody's hungry. You know, if they didn't eat, I didn't eat, you know, it's just, that's how I look at it. I want to make sure everybody's, you know, helped like, uh, like the other day, um, I, I went to get my car washed, um, because, um, somebody posted this guy on Facebook, he was washing cars. And, um, so I went there to, to get my car washed and the guy, he had an uh, ankle monitor on and, um, he had one rag and, uh, he had some dishwashing detergent, but he washed the cars immaculately. Like it was great. So I went to, um, I went to um, Walmart. I went and bought him a shop vac. I went and bought him all the wax and stuff and the tire shine and all that goodness or whatever uh, for him to, to get started because he's stuck at home, obviously. He just got out of jail, you know, so, but he's doing something honest, you know, so I'm yeah. just like, well, let me help him. And I went and promoted him on my Facebook page and stuff like that. And I do good deeds all the time. And I, I never, I don't talk about my good deeds at all. However, you know, I, I had to talk about that because he needs business, of course. Um, so of course I sent he sent people there to get their car washed and stuff like that. And it was it was beautiful. But things like that are exemplify on encouraging commitment because you're committed to making your community better and not judging people and things like that. I just feel like those three core values are extremely important in regards to you know working with our community, making our community better, and uh, seeing our community become a better place. Nice. What would be your response to somebody who pushes back? against uh, against anything that you're doing, saying that it's pointless or gives you reasons or gives you reasons why they could never, you know, King, I, I see what you're doing, but I can't do that because you're different than me. Well, um, I always tell people it doesn't have to start off, you know, gigantic or you don't have to be doing some, you know, major program. I always tell them uh, you can go give a dollar to that homeless person that you never give a dollar to sometime, or you could go and find a family to feed once a week, you know, just small things like that could make the community better. Cause if everybody was doing that, you know, it'd be a better place. And for people who give me pushback, I don't really respond to any negativity at all. Um, I have a lot of people, even in my hometown that don't like me genuinely for no reason at all, you know? Um, but you know, people have their things to say, but I always say you could disagree with me or disagree with my methods, but you can't, you can't dispute the work. You can't dispute the result at all. Nice. So what do you say to somebody then who ha who is kind of struggling to find their purpose or find that the thing that fulfills them? Because you have such certainty and such conviction in your voice when you're speaking and and the follow through is really un unmatchable, I think, uh, from anyone else. So what what words of advice like do you give to your kids who come to you and and are just struggling to find that focus? Or, you know, there's a lot of frustration attached to feeling like you don't understand what you're here for or what your life means or what your purpose is. So, so what are some words that you would give to one of your kids who comes to you and you can see that frustration in them? Like they just feel like their life doesn't matter. Like nothing they're doing is going to matter. Right. Well, I, I always say with all that getting, get understanding, that's a scripture. And um, I definitely feel like uh, there's a process in discovering, you know, what you're here to do and what you're here for. And that also comes with trials and tribulations because uh, some people are scared to try things. And I'm always saying, try anything, you know, and I have this thing where I, I make my boys get rid of their fear. It's just about every child I come into contact with is scared of snakes. My manager owns two snakes. Uh, the first trial they have to go through is going to hold those snakes because it removes that fear. I'm just like, no, you're the wheel, drag it out. They'll cry, whatever. I'm like, no, you're going to hold the snakes. 
you're going to hold them, hold them. And they hold them. It's just like, oh, OK, now they play with them all the time and stuff like that. I'm like, but I have to remove that fear of failure or fear, fear of dying or fear of whatever. I have to remove that from you. Of course, there's a healthy fear, you know, um, you know, to keep yourself alive. However, you know, you have to be able to control situations because if you're afraid and you panic, you die. I learned that, you know, in Marine Corps, panicking gets you dead. You know, you have to be able to have bearing and figure out what it is that you're doing. So I definitely feel like, you know, for people who don't know their purpose and things like that, I always say try things. You don't know what it is, like even trying food that you may think is nasty or whatever. I learned that in culinary school. You just you have to try things. You know, you have to try many different things. You, you're going to fail sometimes, but you'll finally figure it out. You know, after you try things, if you don't try anything, you will never you will never know what you're here for because you're not doing anything. You have to do something. Nice. All right. One of the last questions I'll ask you before we have to wrap this up is another reason we started American Snippets is a couple of years ago when we saw this assault on America's core values and patriotism and a lot of people beginning to preach the what they their version of the truth about the American dream is that it doesn't exist or that it's only available for certain people. And we just saw the American dream, the concept of that, the belief in that uh, level of achievability to be to be attacked and tarnished. So that's why we bring stories of people who prove the opposite. But the key is we understand that the American dream is not one cookie cutter concept, that every single person has their own version of what that dream is. And we feel that's where the actual beauty lies. So we like to ask our guests, and I'd like to ask you, what is your version of your own American dream? Um, I know that the, the traditional American dream is, you know, having your family retiring on time and having a house and kids or whatever. Uh, I definitely see my American dream just uh, changing the city of Albany where I live. Um, this is a city where Dr. King, you know, said he'd never return to um, because of the mindset of the people here. Um, Dr. King came through here. W.E.B. Du Bois, a lot of our leaders, you know, have come through our city, but our city is almost like a failure to everybody. But one thing I love is that people who are finding out about Albany, Georgia are finding out about us in a good light because of what I'm doing and what we're doing in the program. Um, but I think my American dream is fixing my community where I live and that's Albany, Georgia. I believe, you know, we can remove this black cloud that's over our city that's always having us failing and everything. We're number one in the murder rate at one time. We're the fourth poorest city in the country. Even when COVID hit, we were like third in the world for, uh, you know, just the hot spots. Like we were right under Wuhan, you know, this small town, Albany, Georgia, who's on this big national map, you know, it's, it's nuts. We have everything bad that happens here. You know, I'm just like, we're going to change that narrative ourselves. I believe if we're going to change something in our community, we have to do it ourselves. I love that. Love that. So look, Albany, Georgia is very blessed to have you in their community. Uh, we all need, we should all become more, more like you in our own communities. But what can people do who listen to the show, catch the story, who learn about you? How can we reach out and support you and your work in your community? Absolutely. All of my social media handles are New Emerging King. Uh, you can also go to our website to find those at thexforboys.org. That's T-H-E, the letter X, F-O-R-B-O-Y-S.org. You can go there to get merchandise. You can go see our gallery of things that we've done, uh, things that I've taught, uh, trips that we've been on, et cetera. Uh, you can also go there to see how to donate, how to volunteer, et cetera, and uh, somebody will reach out to you. Um, but everything's on the thexforboys.org. If you can't find either of those, you can just go on Google and type in the X for Boys. If you can't find us there, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. And do you have any last thoughts that, or messages or events or news that you want to share with our community before we go? Absolutely. I end every podcast show or wherever I go on with the same quote uh, from one of our local hometown rappers. His name is Cantrell. He says, obstacles are optical illusions. They're not really there. Jump high anyway. Jump high just in case.
Awesome. We love it so much, King. Thank you so very much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Thank you for the work you do. I'm excited to introduce you to, you know, to our community, to have introduced you to our community. And I can't wait to see what the feedback is. Please feel free to reach out if there's anything down the road that we can do directly to support you as well. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of the American Sippets podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope you got some value out of today's episode. If you did, please leave us a five-star written review on iTunes. Share this podcast with a friend. Share on social media. Let people know what we're doing here. I'd like to personally thank King Randall for being here as well and taking a little bit of his time uh, to be on the show and share his story. You can check out the show notes and the article on this episode with King Randall by going to americansnippets.com forward slash newsletter. And don't forget, we have our Great American Syndicate. This is a community that we are building of patriotic Americans just like you. If you want to learn how to get involved, just go to join.greatamericansyndicate.com. We appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you really are. <music>